Wow. Uh, we have uh, Adam Schefter on the line with us. He joins us courtesy of tw- Twin Peaks, eats, drinks, scenic views. Uh, Adam, thank you for your time again here on a Monday. We're just reacting to the Kareem Jackson yes. suspension uh, news. And, Adam, this is a big boy suspension, is it not? Yeah, well, it's one of the biggest suspensions that the league has given out for hitting on a player in a long time since Vontez perfect in the playoffs with Antonio Brown. You don't see four-game suspensions. And we're talking about this being his fifth fine of the season with fines totaling roughly about $650,000. And he's making $2.6 million. Now, I don't care whether you make $2 million, $20 million, or $200 million a year. If you're being fined upwards of $650,000 in a year, that hurts anybody's pocketbook. And it's a tough job these days playing safety in the NFL. You're trying to get guys down when the rules are designed to favor offensive players and you're trying to do your job, and it's a hard job to do. Uh, and, you know, I think, look, going over with guys who have played the game, safeties, quarterbacks, people at various vantage points, I think everybody's got a different interpretation of each of the five violations that he has incurred this year. Some were egregious, some not as much. Mm. Taken together, the league decided that the pattern of behavior is such that it's going to suspend him four games. He's appealing it. And my guess is that when the appeal is said and done, that they lower the suspension, which will save him some money. But in my mind, the best case scenario for him is to have it reduced to two games, maybe three games. I would think the league will knock off something, not a lot. And he'll go on serving whatever time the league believes is fair. Adam, uh, with Denver winning yesterday and a lot of trade talk, trade rumors going on in the air, um, do you still feel that Denver will make a, a trade here before the deadline? So what I would say is I don't think the win yesterday changes anything. Okay. I, I, I believe that Denver is willing to listen. Denver is not looking to give away anybody. But if that somebody wants to make a deal – and they offer fair compensation that Denver would be open to making a deal, but they're not going to give away anybody before the deadline. It's just not what they want to do, not what they're thinking about doing. If somebody wants to come and offer a fair package for a guy in a final year of a deal or something to that effect, yeah, I think they could be tempted to consider and listen. Of course, that's their job. But do I think they're just going to start unloading players? Like Randy Gregory was flipped. You know, Randy Gregory was flipped with a seventh-round pick for a sixth. They basically traded him for a round because they wanted to move on from him. That was what they wanted to do. And they're not looking to just unload guys for a round in a draft. It's not what they want to do. And we'll see how it works out. I'm sure they'll get inquiries on some players. Uh, some people will look to Denver to see who and what Denver is willing to trade a certain player for. But it's only going to be something that I think the Broncos feel like is fair and beneficial to them. And that's if something happens at all. 
Adam Schefter is uh, on the Johnson Auto Plaza hotline with us. Um, you're—I don't know if you're going to be on location tonight for for Monday Night Football, but we're going to see uh, the Vikings and the Niners, and we know all the connections with the Niners here in Denver. But on the Minnesota side, Kirk Cousins' name is popping up uh, with an uncertain future, uh, and that's obviously where that game is tonight. Uh, what, what what is your forecast or outlook of what the next year could look like uh, for a guy like Kirk Cousins? Well, first of all, nobody has been a better uh, player at the game of football from a business standpoint than Kirk Cousins. I think in his career he's made $229 million, I think, is the exact number off the top of my head. And of that 229, 99.1% of it has been guaranteed, like $228 million has been guaranteed. Mm. Um, he has crushed the business of football. He is set up to do well again. He is set up to become a free agent after this year. He is set up where the Vikings cannot put a tag on him. He is set up to hit the open market at a time when basically starting quarterbacks, quality quarterbacks are not allowed to become free agents. He will. Now, where he goes is another question. And I think you have to see where everybody finishes in the season and what their particular draft choice is and, how they assess the upcoming quarterbacks in the draft. Uh, do I think it's possible that he's going to be back in Minnesota? Yes. But I think that would be a fallback scenario for both sides. You know, I think the chances are he's going to look to the open market. They're going to look to see what their options are. And if there's nothing better, then the two sides can get back together. But I think both sides are exploring what's out there beyond the yonder. And we'll see what happens with that. Adam, with with that being said, with the NFL, who do you think is the best team out there right now? Well, so it doesn't mean anything who's the best team now yeah. because it changes every single week, and then really it picks up after Thanksgiving. But if you want me to give out the best team of the year after seven weeks, <laughs> the seven-week best team of the year award goes to <laughs> probably for, I would say – the Kansas City Chiefs, just because it's hard to go against Mahomes and Kelsey. Now, again, uh, the best team of eight weeks might just be Philadelphia or San Francisco. I mean, let's see how the Niners look tonight. They're going to be without Trent Williams, without Debo Samuel. We'll see. But I I think there's a group of teams that have been particularly oppressive this year. You can look at like seven, eight, nine teams that have been really good. And, you know, Detroit, I thought, was having a tremendous season, goes into Baltimore and gets the doors blown off yesterday. Yeah. Right? Yep. So it's, 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 a, it's a week-to-week thing. So that's why I'm happy to answer the question. I just don't put much stock into it because it changes every week and every month. Last one before we let you go, Adam. You, you mentioned Kansas City. It's Kansas City week here in Denver uh, for the second time in three weeks. Uh, I think it's 17 days is the number that the uh, Chiefs and Broncos were lock horns. And the Chiefs, Adam, are running away with the division. They have twice as many wins as the next team in the division already in, in late October. You covered the Broncos during the Elway years, and that's the analogy that we've uh, come with is like this: the Broncos are living the existence, and Broncos country is living the existence of uh, the rest of the division during the Elway years or, or even the Manning years. But as someone who has covered that, that era, especially the Elway time, was it, was it this bad? Even back then, the way that Kansas City is dominating this entire division for so many years in a row? No. 
No, this is, I believe this is virtually unprecedented. What it's at, the one streak's at 15 straight games, right? Yeah, 16. 16. She's 16. What's the record for one? What's the, do we know the record off the top of our heads here? I, I could find it out if I, you know, if I had realized that they were playing, she, I would have, I would have come in with it. But, um, I, well, I don't know why I think it would be the 49ers versus the Saints in the 80s. Like I'm just guessing off the okay. top of my head. Maybe Patriots over Buffalo uh, during that 20 year stretch yeah. where they just yeah. where they yeah, own by, the Bills. By the way, the Jets have lost 15 or 16 straight games to the Patriots. Yeah, yeah, they have. Um, wow. So, so in fact, I don't know whether. They're tied, or the Broncos have regained that lead. If you want that lead, uh, with a one-game advantage. But no, I I think when John played for Denver, you know the one thing that I remember being familiar with talking to coaches and executives with the Chargers or the Chiefs or the Raiders back in the day um, was that it was just miserable being in the division with John Elway. It was just miserable, and it was that way for. 17, 18 years, as long as he played in Denver. But even as great as he was, and as long as that run was, uh, I don't know that Denver ever beat one team 16 straight times. Mm. I, I don't know that that happened. Yeah. It's it's an interesting question. I, I'd have to go back and I'm going to have some people crunch some numbers and find out for you. Yeah, well, well, we appreciate it. Regardless, uh, everyone around here is hoping this thing comes to an end after the better part of a decade here of losing to one team over and over and over. They'll get their latest shot on Sunday. Well, uh, well I, not, not to disrespect anybody, but um, I'll believe when I see it. Yeah, no, no, totally. <laughs> I agree with you. Totally, totally. We're all on the same page. We're in prove-it mode. Uh, Adam, thank you so much for your time. We'll uh, catch up with you this time next week. Thanks, guys. Have a great week. Take care. All right. That was ESPN's NFL insider Adam Schefter. Thanks to Twin Peaks, Eats, Drinks, Scenic Views. If you really look at, um, like, Kansas City specifically, and who cares? This stuff is ancient history. But when we talk, since the streak is so long, you talk about context and living in Elway's shadow for all those years, living in Mahomes' shadow right now. There was a big, huge chunks of the Elway years where Kansas City was really good. Mm. I mean, you're talking about from, like, you know, 1990 uh, and on here, 11 and 5, 10 and 6, 10 and 6, 11 and 5, 9 and 7, 13 and 3, 9 and 7, 13 and 3. That's the majority of yeah. the Elway years. So even though with Kansas City specifically, even though the Broncos were the top dog, Kansas City was still good. Yeah. The Chargers went to a Super Bowl during the Elway years with Stan Humphreys. Like, it's never been quite this lopsided yeah. where it's just – an utter domination. It does. The, the only comp here um, that I can think of is what the Patriots did to the AFC East for about 20 years. No, yeah. And and the, the fact is this, uh, Zach, when you look at that and you're like, man, why? Like, how does this happen where they just drop off? And, you know, I'm not so tuned in with the Kansas City Chiefs and the Chargers, but I'll tell you this. I guarantee you through all those years until now they've had an owner. That That's, that's really big, having somebody there – all the time, and I keep saying it, but truly, like that's the the leader of the of everything. Yep, I don't think you say it too much, given you know, how important it is. Like he's the one, the the owner here. She's the one that has to it's it built this foundation, build everything yep. up. Yep. And Denver has been without one for so long that they finally get one in, and it's gonna take time to 
to build up to being like Kansas City Chiefs again. It's crazy. It it is remarkable. You can almost draw a line within the Broncos team history from when Pat Boland came out of the fold and all this losing started. And then you were trying to get the train back on the tracks here with uh, uh, Greg Penner um, and crew. So, um, all right, we're going to keep pushing forward here. Uh, The question that I ask is, am I the only one starting to have my doubts on this can't-miss prospect? that so many want here in Denver. That is coming up next.